Hi there. Thank you for downloading, listening to, and watching the Lean Into Artcast, the show where a couple of visual storytellers get together, take on various topics that tend to cross one's path when you go off to do this thing we call communicating with images. We think hard about this stuff, so you will too. My name is Jersey Drozd. I'm a cartoonist and teaching artist, and the other host is... Hey, I'm Rob Stenzinger. I do user experience design as um, both uh, someone who does the research and, you know, building things and whatnot, prototyping to help teams learn stuff. And I like making interactive things and coaching about it. So got a long title. doesn't really fit on a business card, but it works on a podcast. It's like a business card that's like a tape measure. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good form factor. (laughs) Ticker tape. (laughs) Hold on. Wait, it says you do. (laughs) What? Yeah. All right, um, what am I supposed to do with all this? All right. <laughs> or it could be like a pen. Like, it's gum. Go ahead and eat it. <laughs> oh, hey, that would be so big bubble tape. That make that makes mm-hmm. some people trip nostalgia. Um so if you're new to the show, we typically pick a single topic and then like look at it from a couple different angles, look at it what it looks like when we're engaged with it, and then we think about how we think about it, and then we close with this thing we call the two minute practice. Um and what do we want to talk about this week, Rob? Well, I think like a lot of times when we when we tackle a topic, it, it's something that we're we're dealing with. And we do this as a journal and as exploration. We get our own assumptions and ideas out so that you know the, our co-hosts can join in and and uh, and think about it with us. And here we are dealing with virtual events, um, both. Uh, the uh, situation where maybe needing to organize virtual events and also, um, well, performing at them because mm-hmm. when you do, when you perf- when you let's say you make art and you talk about it, maybe you're you're just appearing to uh, help highlight a recent creation or maybe a little bit of behind the scenes or, or maybe it's all the way to uh, helping provide a learning experience so others can engage in the in the thing that the 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 skills that you you use to bring about what you bring about either way there's a lot of that going on so this is a good time to yeah there's a lot going on and yes as you you know i said i'm a cartoonist a teaching artist which means that i teach people comics classes and one of the things that's coming across my uh inbox now is invitations to lead online comics workshops and online comics presentations and you know basically take my teaching to the web which one would say okay well jersey you got a lot of experience with this because you've been doing podcasting for a long time um but there's like a weird little um like sort of like a a float valve in my brain that like when when somebody says one-to-one transfer from one format to another it goes no 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 that that won't do (laughs) Uh, Hold on. Surely. Wait, I have some scars here that say, you know, <laughs> I assumed things like this before and That's right. I felt Yeah, pain. That, that float valve actually is like it's made of scar tissue from, from botched <laughs> attempts to just go, well, surely it's just as easy as going one to one. Yeah, let's go back to the history of Lean Into Art, like the, the growing pains that we went through in our very first month where we said like, hey, well, let's do 30 workshops in 30 days online. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even say that sentence without laughing. Yeah, thirty. We did uh, the thirty classes and thirty days event, and mm-hmm. uh, then and each of us provided, I think, somewhere like in the range of six to eight different um, events, and in we we brought in uh, like a dozen or more 
collaborators as well who all um did did some did some teaching and so mm -hmm. i guess in a way it, it's kind of funny i guess you do have a lot of experience with this jersey so hmm. <laughs> come well, to think of it yeah well i mean yeah that was I mean, that was many years ago but i mean it's just uh, that said i don't like going into any project uh without stepping back first and saying okay well if we're going to do something this way with this technology or this format let's look for and this is the same way i approach my comics like when i'm making a comic i'm saying like what can i do that celebrates what only comics can do and try not to do it. Try not to do it in a way where I'm drawing attention to that, but just like for my own pleasure of the experience of doing it, and to make it more of a thing that is maximizing its own affordances, right? Like making it uh, uh, high, high fuel efficiency, right? Like to, to use another clumsy metaphor, um, <laughs> rather than just well, you know, telling a story in a movie and telling a story in a comic. It's it's a one to one. Of course, of course it is. No, it's not. There's things a movie can do, and there's things that a comic can do, and we should celebrate both those things. So there's an aspect to teaching physically in a space that is it has its advantages. Easy, zero interface, one-on-one -on -one interaction with the group, with the room. I'm getting a lot of feedback from them. They're getting feedback from me live and in the moment. Um, it's ephemeral. It vanishes the moment that it's over. You can't capture it except in your memory, you know? Um, video has other affordances. It loses some of those things, but it gains some other things. So, um, and, and when it comes to like an event, like, like as many comic con conventions and other conferences are moving to virtual events, surely like one thing that immediately came to mind is, um, gosh, with things like a two calf, which got canceled, uh, which is the right thing to do. I'm sad about it, but it was the right thing to do. Um, can we do some online events? And then it's like, well, wait a second, if we do online events, we don't have to worry about flying anybody out. We don't have to worry about putting them up in a hotel. And we don't really worry, have to worry about them being there at a specific time. We could do it like the week of. And we could get, we have a broader range of potential headline guests to do a virtual thing with us, right? So like some things narrow, some things broaden. And I just wanted to use this uh, podcast as an opportunity to explore that with you because I know you think hard about this stuff too. And you've been doing a lot of work with, presentations, conference, uh, conference participation, and also group facilitation. And yeah, certainly there's, uh, it, this is, it's in a space that I care about a lot, uh, you know, providing, um, you know, meaningful uh, experiences that, that combine something, you know, educational and uh, useful um, like specific and relevant to an audience that's that's usable and accessible and all that and that is maybe even fun and entertaining and so how do you uh you know that that's that's a lot of the, this drive that i have and what, whatever for, like for podcasting or making video games or um or even yeah like facilitating a uh, a collaborative experience i try to think of those dimensions as well and totally appreciate that yeah when you go from one thing to another assumptions are like the the worst teleporting mechanism and best right because yeah. you can be like hey you did that thing do this thing whoop they're the both things whatever and you and it's never that simple and uh, yet the uh if you feel comfortable exploring some of these these um these assumptions that we have about our audience about our own goals and about the the solutions you you can do something like that's that's like more rewarding in the end. And so like, 
you know, did, did what we create, did what we provide, um, did it do something meaning, meaningful for us and our audience, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, doing that thinking, whew, I love it. I love that stuff. So this will be a fun exploration um, that, you know, to, uh, to, you know, to explore this. Um, what, yeah. um, so you ready to hit the, think? yeah, let's, let's hit it. Let's hit the music. Whoa. So that, <laughs> that's actually audio from one of my uh, assemblies that I've done over the years. And uh, I used it because that's a, like, both I thought it was fun when I captured it to like use it as a bridge uh, soundbite, but also to mm-hmm. tease the fact that this Saturday, uh, April 25th, Kids Comic Con is doing a uh, live streaming event on Facebook, on their Facebook uh, event page, or rather their, yeah, their Facebook page, Kids Comic Con, you can do a search for it. Um, and I, I'm providing some video events for it. And so I'm doing some of my, my video present, a video version of uh, assembly presentation that I've done in schools. And I used audio from those events to like uh, simulate some of the activities that happen in those assemblies. That's really clever. I like this. <laughs> it's silly. I've, I've seen. <laughs> it's very uh, silly. Not to spoil but, anything. Did you use the one, like, did you use some of them where, like, you get the crowd to go, oh, yeah. you did that? You did, did the, the marker one? Oh, yeah, I, I did the thing where good. I, like, lift the pen, and then, and, and, uh, and, and, like, the the thing is, like, when I do this in assemblies, I like to say, like, okay, everybody focus on my pen, and you scream at me, uh, awesome animal, or awesome job, or whatever, and then when the pen touches the floor, we all stop at exactly the same time, and then I pretend that I heard something, and, and it's just a way to get the kids to all, like, just <gasps> You just didn't scream. pretend you really heard something. Sure, Wait. of course I did. Um, I wouldn't lie to children, uh, but, um, but there's always that one kid who's like, I didn't say that. But um, so I, I told Alex Simmons, the uh, organizer of kids mm-hmm. comic con, I'm like, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to ask the kids to scream at their computers. Is that okay? And he's like, Oh, the parents going to be so mad. I'm like, yeah, but it'll be fun for the kids. Right. And as long as it's fun for the kids, that's what we care about. Right. I call it a collaborative, collaborative, uh, uh, Collaborative creative spellcasting is, I think, what I called it in the in the video. But you'll be able to watch it on Facebook Live this weekend, so Saturday, April twenty fifth. Um, so now we're in it. We're in the topic. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, is it? We talked a little bit about like, okay, we've I, we've done podcasting for a long time. You've done online classes. You must be, have thought really hard about this uh, when you're doing all the different workshops that you've. Posted on your Skillshare and at robstensgear.com slash store.html, right? Uh, yeah, certainly. It's it's an interesting jump to go from the live to the the, the pre-recorded. And um, let's see. So I'm no, I, whatever. I feel like I got this bad urge and habit to like say a bunch of disclaimers. Um <laughs> I've dabbled a bit with video and whatnot over the years, but of course it's not been my, my, my main focus. Um, but then, but yeah, here we are. It's not like um, everyone who, who does a phone call says like, well, I studied phone calls for, you know, in, in phone call school for, you know, four years or whatever. Anyway, but it's one of those things where it's just, it's in, it's in the world. We're all, you know, getting exposed and, and, um, let's see, we're able to access all sorts of these kinds of capabilities and, um, and you can, 
you, but yet you can specialize. So I can appreciate that there's, there's a way to use video very well, very efficiently. Like even what I just said that last, you know, 45 seconds probably should be cut down. If someone, this were video that would be cut down to like five seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did he say? That was most meaningful. Boop, boop trim. Yeah. <laughs> and so you get that, like, you can get this very concentrated version of your performances by going back and editing and, and that has a certain strength, but then does it have the life and the vitality and the connection and the space to absorb the information and that kind of stuff? So it's uh, I've been experimenting like every single one of my workshops, I dabble a bit with the, um, the, the pacing and juxtaposition of stuff right? So layering in, in layering images, adding transition music, adding background music, things like that. So it's a different media. It's not the same as like, I don't worry about playing background music when I'm in a room with people, but on video. Yeah. Comes, that's, that's an example of something that comes to mind. And um, you can like, we've all seen lots of awesome shows probably, right? Mm-hmm. They use lots of techniques that you can consider and um you know the 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 i think some of the some of the classic like think about information delivery and pacing and whatnot um a lot of the ideas behind like the formation of sesame street is is a is a thing i like to go read Mm -hmm. about once in a while and to remind me where it's like um you know making sure there's there's nice boundaries and chunking things up and presenting things at different angles and trying to you know keep it interesting yeah it wasn't the original premise behind the format that they were following like the the model of commercials like don't do anything that's more than like a minute long um like intersperse it with a lot of really short pieces of information i think is what i remember in some of the interviews with the 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 children's television workshop people who came up with the concept right um and they don't, they, and, and in the time sequence, they, they typically will vary the kinds of experiences as well. Yeah. So you won't go from one minute of a, a person <laughs> like this show, right? Where it's like, you know, you have a talking head for one minute and maybe it's really, you know, well edited and nice, nicely, whatever. The next minute you probably have someone dancing. And then, mm-hmm. then the next, after that, they probably have someone uh, performing a skit. Right, and so and then, just, or a piece of animation, or yep. the pinball animation that they used to have back in the eighties mm. and seventies. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, and I mean, there's there's that was the Pointer Sisters singing that. Now I have it in my head, right? That's the <laughs> the one, two, three, the four, four, five, sisters, six, seven, eight, yeah, nine, perform that song. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow, some that's ah, a good funky tune. Yeah, it is. It really is. It it it, it, it buries itself in there. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, but see, that's that's part of the, the the evaluation you have to make too is that there's high cost to doing really focused trimmed content in the sense of editing, also in in the form of um, planning, right? I mean, you could do like something like this show and trim out all the parts that are like have the the maximum signal to noise ratio. Right. Um, But even then, it might not be as good of a product because it's going to feel very disjointed in like just you're watching basically a clip show of a show versus something that's very highly edited and polished that the the, the Mm -hmm. message all blends into itself in a very, you know, thoughtfully constructed way. So now you've got like a, a cost to uh, evaluate there, right? Um, and Certainly. I think 
I think also like you were saying, like the, a vitality gets lost sometimes with that because like one of the reasons I I suspect we haven't actually made this explicit. I think even between each other recently is that we like to do these long form things is like, yeah, maybe it is antithetical to a lot of advice that's given out about YouTube and about uh, consuming video content. But this thing gets to be a model of having a thoughtful, nuanced and living conversation that doesn't have to be a definitive statement. Like when we, I came up with, uh, when I proposed this topic to you, I was like, yeah, let's not talk about it. Like we have the answers. Let's talk about it. Like we're exploring what the problem is. Right. Um, which is, I think, like our approach most of the time. So you can't do that in a very polished and edited way. It has to have like the sloppy pauses and weird, awkward moments. And as a teacher, I live for awkward moments. Like that's the part where I feel like, okay, we're in an area where we don't know what's going to happen. This is the part where we're going to experience something exciting, you know? Um, yeah. It's, yeah, That that is... <sighs> And so how do you, and so that's always a puzzle. Like how do you bring those kind of moments and, and have it, how do you have it feel, um, feel genuine and uh, interesting and immersive. And there's, there's uh, information is encoded in multiple ways where it's, it's visual and it's audible and it's demonstrated. And then it's, you know, then there's participatory steps as far as asking questions with the audience and getting, so I think of all kinds of that, right? So the whole like we've talked about presenting and teaching and all that on, on a variety of, of uh, episodes of Lean Into Art. And even like this, the, the sort of my approach as far as creating an online workshop, we did a whole episode on that. Um, creating a, I think it was called creating a workshop, online workshop within a month. That's right. Not that you have to take a month. Could you, you could do it. Um, I, I was, you know, sort of a part-time, one of the things I was working on that month. Uh, but at the same time, you can compress that quite a bit and that's a constraint. You can say, well, this is the time I have available. So of course that should inform the end product. So try to not expect um, Pixar level polish or uh, like, you know, pick your favorite band and your favorite song from that band. Like it's not going to probably be like them live doing that thing, but you do the best you can with what you have. And that, if you're doing that to serve the audience, you're bringing something useful to the audience. That's the, that's the gold. That's the thing they're connecting with you and how you're trying to help them and the experience of you providing that message. I think that's what I try to, to focus on too, because I can start, thinking too much about all the refinements and yeah. trying to Sesame Streetify my stuff. <laughs> yeah. Which um, I don't come close to that kind of work. <laughs> no, me neither. Uh, but, you know, like having some good production values, obviously, like th- th- that's cost benefit that you have to weigh. Like what's the maximum you can get, but what's the minimum viable? What's the minimum amount you can ship? Can we talk a little bit before Decent we go- lighting, decent sound. Do that. Try to try to do your best with that. Have a have an yeah. okay mic, and okay lights, helps you a lot. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I would say that's 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 about as simple and as as useful as you can get. Like as basic. Um, can we talk just very very briefly before we go to our first break about like some of the different platforms out there as as a sort of a stepping stone to in the second part? I'd like to talk about like how do we evaluate what platforms to use and what formats to use based on what constituencies we're trying to serve. Because like, 
and I'll tee this up more just before the break, but like to start with, let's just look at some of the big platforms out there. We don't have to cover them all because there's a lot. There are so many. Like just in doing my minimal amount of research last night um, when forming the notes on this, I was like, oh man, there's like a whole bunch that, um, oh gosh, what was the one that First Second used? First Second just did a uh, festival last weekend and they used um, Shindig, I think is what it was called. Mm. Have you heard of okay. this? Um, and then there's, there's Crowdcast and there's, there's so many, but like, let's just talk about a few of the big ones that a lot of us have, have heard about and, uh, maybe explore a little bit of like what, what their features are. They're not features like specific, like user features, but like generally speaking, what's their value proposition? So like with kids, comic con, Alex Simmons said, let's use Facebook. And his rationale was that's where the families are. You know, parents are on Facebook. I want kids to see this. Therefore, I need to put it on Facebook. If I put it on, like somebody said, like, well, why not Twitch? He's like, well, that that would reach a constituency, but I want to make sure that I have the maximum uh, ability to reach parents. So, so there's like a ubiquity. <laughs> That's like a, a major value proposition of Facebook, right? It's like a lot of people are on, a lot of people are using it. Mm-hmm. Um, this conceptually, just th- think of this as a metaphorically, is almost like picking a city to host your event. You're, thank you're picking you. a yes. city and a venue. Yes, and and Anne, I was talking with Anne about this too, and she was like, "Well, what if what if a virtual event had more than one platform? Because you could think of them as like different rooms in a convention hall, right? Here's where all the kids stuffs happening. Here's where all the family stuffs happening. Here's where like the grown up stuffs happening. Here's where the academic stuff is happening." I was like, "Man, that's that's actually good food for thought. It's um, mm-hmm. great idea. Anne's got some awesome analysis <laughs> going on there because um, and it, like you yeah. could because you also could use just multiple platforms. You could broadcast to." Uh, think of a your television broadcasts can go through cable networks, internet streaming, and um, uh, uh, over the air broadcast. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just reach different people. Um, but same, then, same but, content. But an interesting thing that I've been starting to chew on, and I'm late to this game because it's something that's been around for a while. But it's just like I didn't see the utility of it for me personally. But now I got to think about it. It's like, okay, what about Instagram TV and Instagram Live, right? Now you're consuming it primarily through your phone. Like Facebook Live, you could do you could do it on your laptop, and a lot of people may be sitting on their couches with their laptops. I know a lot of us have been consuming like or participating in all sorts of video conferencing meetings on our laptops, and might be having some video fatigue. I know I personally am feeling a little bit of it. Like when I'm having meeting after meeting after meeting on these sitting in front of my laptop. Um, so maybe there's something to this idea of like, well, does it feel any different if you're using your phone to consume the thing? And how does it change the type of stuff that you put on it? Would you do an Instagram live, uh, event presentation differently than you would a Facebook live event? I I would assume that there's probably going to be some difference in the sense of what device and what kind of uh, experience you have using that device, right? Uh, it's more the 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 experience of the features presented and some of the trade offs and the qualities of the different platforms. Um, just I've been casually observing this uh, by let's see, so so we're in the time of 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 the a lot of us. Many of our, I, th- I think all the state, most states are in a, um, you know, we're in the COVID-19 situation mm-hmm. you know, event of, you know, causing a lot of these things to happen. A, a lot of the, the, this, that's the obvious thing that I don't think we mentioned, what have you. That's true. And yeah. um, different, 
so, I, we could go all, all different, you know, it's just laying that, that brick of context. Um, and so what's funny. So the, um, artist, uh, from, from the, the band, the roots, uh, quest love, he's been performing these, um, these streams of, of him DJing and, and with different themes and curated th- things and whatever. He is an encyclopedia of knowledge and experience in the music industry. And it's, it's fascinating. It's like, uh, so he's performing on multiple platforms at the same time. It's one of those things where it popped up to, in my Instagram feed. And so you think about, well, consuming content on Instagram, it's, they really emphasize the people interacting in the crowd aspect. So everything is going to have a different feel. Like Instagram feels like you're in a party. And, but then the quality of the video is a little less. The aspect of the ratio, ratio of the videos changed. And, and what's, what's available there is, is different than like on Twitch and YouTube streaming, right? So Twitch and YouTube. And what's funny is, is um, he had his engineer collaborator pop on mic on last night's stream and talk about um, how different like, so let's say you were really emphasizing music quality and you've got a, you have a dance party or, or, or audio is a p- big part of the experience in, in instruction or something. Um, well, certain, from their research, well, YouTube and Twitch are the strongest audio quality platforms. And so you, like, you have all these different things to, to potentially consider, but yet I remember projects and being in the, you know, the, the in industry of software interactive experience and stuff and stuff. Um, the kind of thinking that we had from going from um, desktop experiences to um, 10 foot UI, like large, you know, your televisions where you're, you're, you're sitting further back mm. versus handheld. These use cases and and the personas and the stuff that went in that were very different where uh like you wouldn't want it like 10 years ago to consume uh avengers infinity war on your phone but now that's actually pretty common so like mm. the the audience and the habits and the behaviors have changed a lot over the years so like looking for extreme dis- distinctions in the platforms based on behaviors, I don't think you're going to get that many. Based on audience, you'll get a little bit of difference, but like people hop between platforms because we're all used to being digital citizens of different things. But what are the traits of that specific platform that those business folk and engineers and designers crafted? And uh, what are they emphasizing in that experience? And does that fit what you want to do, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's where I think you're, you know, sort of nominating, you know, higher priority, lower priority, choosing to go with one, many um, of platforms and one or many, one or more channels of, of stream on whatever platform. That's, I think that that's where you'll, you're sort of fine tuning in a way that's more about the goals of your event, less about like just assumptions about how people use stuff because gosh, that's changed a lot over the years. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that, that's a great that's a great great way to reframe and redirect what I was pointing toward. Yeah, you're right. It it's the what are they designed to do, right? And you have a lot of this in the notes as well. Like you point out the difference, and and just that there's more there there are more things that that differentiate the platforms mm. that really point to the experience and like what each of them does best. Mm-hmm both as an individual tool and as like a community of like what, how, what traits does the community show how they've adopted it? Um, because 
so yeah, there is some of it too, is, is doing a little bit of work, like research about where, where are your audience, right? Where are they? Um, and I think, and like, what's funny is like over, um, I've probably seen there's, we've been, we've been in, um, this whole, um, shelter in place for so long now. <laughs> I don't time. I had what, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> In, in, listen, listen to Rob slowly turning into Yoda while the sheltered place is happening. It's, it probably is. Yeah, I think if I had a Yoda cam, I probably am uh, progressing. Toward. Well, that's, that's essentially what Yoda did, right? <laughs> Self-isolation. <laughs> he did, didn't he? Interesting. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, the shelter sorry. place champion. Um, <laughs> so let's see. What uh, I've I I just can't help but research all the time. <laughs> so um, so I notice uh, like Questlove was sharing his different reasons and rationale for the different platforms because it, it it I was consuming this on Instagram and going and 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 he mentioned that he streams on YouTube and I was like, well, I'm going to check it out there, right? And I've, I would hop between the different platforms and, and come up with my own things. And I was like, wait a minute. He has multiple cameras set up because this isn't the same, like, um, the, the, there's, yeah, there, he's got the audio split going everywhere. And even that has different ways of connecting for mm-hmm. the, and he's doing a live event. This isn't pre-recorded. Wow. Although, yeah, it did. Um, Sometimes it is available for download after, but um, I was noticing that. Uh, it, so he would share things like, "Well, you know, Instagram, you know, they had that, they had a really bad day yesterday, but now they've they they evidently they're in contact with them, and they're like they they tried to improve their audio quality or what have you." And mm. and then he was like, "Well, there's this trade off, but like so many people I know are on Instagram, right? So he mm-hmm. knows his his his." collaborators and friends and what have you mm-hmm. and so and that adds to that adds to the experience but um mm-hmm. yeah and there's so many behaviors he has too as far as being a host and recognizing people and all that and that, so uh, it, feed into the experience similarly i started work, uh, doing my own research onto okay well how do you broadcast to instagram live if you don't want to use a phone Right. So like, can you do it from a desktop? And surely with something like OBS, we could do like the aspect ratio properly. But how do I feed into it? Is there a stream key? Well, it's like there's a workaround that you can use that I found. But they're like, yeah, but this kind of violates Instagram's terms of service. So like, don't you you could get in trouble for doing it this way. But like, it is a Mm -hmm. way to do it. So it's like, okay, so are you using a virtual Android device on a desktop? Yeah, it's like that kind of thing. So um, anyway, um, but then, but, so, but then there's also these other trade-offs of like with Facebook and Instagram, you have it, it's free, but there's an algorithm. And so it might not be able to be seen by all the people that you want to see it. Um, even if you post it as an event, uh, but then, so then there's things like zoom, which everybody's been talking about. Zoom webinars are really powerful. They have a lot of functionality and you can collect a lot of data that it should be yours of people who are attending your thing, but cost the monies, right? Uh, for the pro mm-hmm. account. So all sorts of trade-offs for whatever platform that you use. Um, so with that, maybe we can tee up now this idea of like, okay, well, there's all these trade-offs and pros and cons of different platforms. Now, how can we think about 
the, the people we're trying to serve in the form of the people who attend the things and the people who are going to make the things. Like you as a presenter or if you're getting other people to present, how do you make sure everybody's being rewarded in this? Because like a big piece of the puzzle, at least for things like A2CAF, TCAF, all these other comic festivals that are getting canceled is how do you virtually solve the problem of the expo slash marketplace where there's tabling artists who are doing commerce? How do you solve that problem virtually? And there have been some attempts that are actually pretty interesting, um, but surely we can think harder on this thing um, and find some really new creative solutions to these problems. And I suspect that the gold lies somewhere in evaluating what all the people need. <laughs> so... Uh, does that sound fair? You darn right it is. <laughs> okay. Yep. All right. So, centered and systemic minded. Um, Our big of the gold. <laughs> all right. So we'll come back in uh, about a minute and a half uh, to explore those ideas. But first, got to thank some people who make this show possible, and those are the people who support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lena Tuart is the website. I'll say it slower. Patreon dot com slash lean into art what is it it's a way for you to give us a monthly upvote if you believe in what we're doing here if you believe in rob you believe in jersey and you say i want to make this thing more sustainable i want to help them to continue to make this cool thing that i enjoy called lean into art you could contribute as little as a dollar a month and you can also cancel at any time so you could do like a one-time donation like avail yourself of all the behind the scenes stuff and then check out for a while and come back later uh but you could also you support us on a regular basis, on a monthly ongoing basis, and I want to thank five people who have been doing that. So first, thank you to Mike White. Mike has been supporting us for some time now, and you can find Mike on Instagram at MikeWhiteRobot, or F.E. Follies is the comic that he works on. Thank you, Mike. Also, Stephen Stonebush. Thank you, Stephen, for believing in us and what we do. And Dave Sri Say. You can find Dave on Twitter at Dave Say, the creator of the Emergent Task Planner, the, the, the tracking tool that I use literally every day since 2012. Thank you for that too, Dave. And a new supporter, David uh, Armantrout. Thank you, David, for believing in us and what we do. And finally, Dado or Dado? Dado. D A D O. You can find them on Twitter at Dadotronic. You can join them at patreon.com slash leanatart, where you'll find all the shows we make as well as the Extra Leans, the shows we record only for people who support us on Patreon. And those posts become an open mic thread where you can talk about whatever you want in a safe place with fellow leaners. Patreon.com slash art. Thank you to everybody who supports us there. It means a lot to us. It really does. What a wonderful signal to get. All right. Well, time to head to part two. And part two is got to get, get fired up. Watch out for the castles. You find one? Yeah. <laughs> Got to punch your way through the problems to find the value, find the gold. Um, punching, you know, problems. with your heart, with your spirit, and it's like a, you know, a I don't know, a, a joyful expression of a I don't know when when a when a when a giant King Kong sized ape and a giant castle meet each other and they want to <laughs> just see which one's stronger. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. When it's when it's pretend or metaphorical, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't. I can't think of many instances where I want to hurt very many people physically, but like metaphorically, punching, 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 punching. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Awesome. <laughs> so, uh, for this part, let's evaluate. Like, what are the what are the pieces of what? 
who you're trying to serve and what you're trying to replicate. And like for me, like uh, something I go to again and again is like I try to establish what's the mission of the thing we're trying to do, right? Um, mission establishes what is the activity and to whom does it benefit, right? So like in the case of A2CAF, we came up with this language years ago, which was create meaningful connections between the public and comics and the people who make the comics, you know, um, and that 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 is it's it's vague enough that it can incorporate a lot of different ways. It could be the form of doing a quick draw, where they're just drawing and taking input from the public, or doing a game show like Zach Gialongo's Iron Cartoonist, where it's like it feels like it's just play, but you're actually learning something about how art works. Or it could be something that's a full hands-on workshop. It could be something where we do like the every year we've had this after party where we just have giant sheets of paper set out and the artists all draw together, you know, with the public. Um, but all of these things fall under the umbrella of how do you create meaningful connections between the public and people who make comics and the comics that they make. Um, okay, well now, how do we make a video that does that? That's like one of the things I always go to, right? Okay, we got the mission. Can we, can we articulate it? Can we speak it? Can we say it out loud? And then now we've got some, at least one piece of criteria to measure whether or not a video can do that or a, a streaming event or an online event, right? I think um, that's that. That's just really useful to come up with some some goals and principles of your organization. Uh, that's just a really stable way to analyze a problem of providing something into the world. Right? There's like having your intentionality clear, and uh, and I and I think that well, specifically, what do you want to see uh, um, happen this year, and why? And put that as as goals, but also what do you really believe in? And stuff, that's your principles, or you, know, you can call it a variety of different things, but I think that's a pretty stable, stable name for it. And, uh, and, but then you think about your medium, okay, so can we pull that off with this? Like, how does that work? But then it's important to, to involve other, um, well, more constituencies, because you've got your organization, you've got your users and your audience that may be of more than one, um, one uh, scenario or type or persona, if you will, right? Mm. Um, typically, based on you think about their their behaviors and stuff, and that kind of helps group group those different different folks. Maybe your the behaviors would would relate to, um, you know, big spenders, browsers, and uh, I don't know, uh, future cartoonists and industry people i don't know i'm just making up personas right now mm -hmm, and you think mm -hmm. about like what matters to them i'm not talking about traditional demographics which for the most part aren't that useful it's like no crap people have age right we're all at different places in time throw that crap out right we all live in different places throw that crap out think about how you behave and what you want and that matters way more into your design than you know stereotypical stuff of like oh it's it's a it's a mom of three you know and you know in their in their 30s and, and, and all moms of three in their 30s all behave exactly the same way you could talk about them like they're a single human being chuck it no don't do that <laughs> this is a person who who wants to get something accomplished and it's more functionally yeah. useful for your design choices to think of like the behaviors and and their needs and, and needs and wants not if they um wear you know zubas or um a parachute i don't know right, whatever right yeah i get it, you it, 
or what kind of car they drive. Chuck it. All right. Um, anyway, so because that's the trap. Like as soon as you start mentioning users, then demographics often become the the thing. And mm-hmm. uh, to me, that that's those are more or less vanity metrics that help people feel good about rationalizing bad choices. So, um. Anyway, so then so there's two constituencies and you could stop there. That's pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's the team. There's maybe uh, your allies in bringing about the event, um, your partners, yeah. partner organizations, um, other like collaborative constituents or what have you, right? You, they could be in that bucket. And then there's you, right? I think there's a, I think you have four constituencies. And if you think about this for this whole, um, you know, as you're, as you're evaluating of like, okay, we got every one of these constituencies has their goals and maybe every one of them even has principles. It's harder to pull out principles from every single constituencies, but you can figure mm-hmm. out goals yep. and you can figure out per, some personas for each of these groups. And then you can look at like, well, how do you, how do you meet these personas where they're at? Like, where is the, where are the touch points or the platforms? And the systems that support that, and um, that can be uh, people and their behavior and pieces of paper, or that can be Twitch or YouTube or you know Instagram TV, mm-hmm. or some combination. Um, anyway, so yeah, uh, what are like help me understand more about like some of this the audience that's like the team or the the um, the the maker part of this, right? you're trying to serve like what are some of the things they need oh well okay so it has to be um well as you pointed out you know um everybody's gonna have different experience level with technology too right so this so whatever solution we come up with for something like a virtual a2 calf um would have to be something that anybody or most people on the team can um learn and help manage when it's happening or going the other way is how do we make this as easy to manage as possible in terms of like, okay, well maybe we just won't do that much live stuff. Maybe we'll do mostly pre-recorded stuff, do a bunch of pre-recorded stuff and then put it into the feed and then nobody has to actually manage it outside of showing up in the chat room to like to engage with the comments. Or if we want to do something richer, more robust on multiple platforms, okay, kid, what let's find out what everybody's experience levels are with all these different things, right? Like, so for instance, Facebook Live, I have very, very little experience with Facebook. I'm, um, I'm ready to learn, but you know, Facebook often confuses me. <laughs> um, however, streaming to Twitch, been doing it a long time now with the Lean Tarcast. Uh, yeah, I, I know my way around OBS now, I, and I, I feel very confident that I can figure out how to leverage that kind of live streaming in multiple arenas, YouTube live, um, et cetera. So, okay, well, um, how do we work with everybody's experience levels and uh, overcoming what our own personal preferences and biases are on these things? Like get us to actually talk um, thoughtfully about why this platform is good for this particular constituency. So like when you were talking about Instagram live, it's like, I'm thinking about, okay, if it's more about crowd things, so maybe, maybe that's not a place where we want to do, hands-on learning maybe that's a place where we want to have a fun interview between two you know big stars of the comics industry or studio tours right let's 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 load up a whole bunch of like hey let's you know get just pulling names out of a hat like what if ben hackey gave a studio tour 
on Instagram Live, and we put that in the, the, the A2CAF Instagram, which doesn't exist, but just as an example, right? Um, what? That's funny. I like listening to other people who use disclaimers too. Um, yeah, but no, it's clarify. It's, it's, you're, you're talking about a hypothetical scenario and, and, um, and that, that's really useful. And you're also describing how like you, like a, a model for making decisions that is about including different perspectives. So when you're helping lay this landscape out of like, here are all the constituencies and their goals. Um, and then that helps you highlight like, what are the overlaps of the goals and like, where, where can you, you know, where is it well met among provider and consumer and, and the team and stuff, right? Right. And one way to do that, well, we've talked about this before, is, is you have a model of, you can come up with your own Venn diagram, but like what's feasible, viable, and desirable is a really handy Venn diagram of circles of like the, the, the feasibility. You're describing like, well, we're comfortable with this platform. There's nothing wrong with using that as the basis of doing it because you you are effective with that. So that's saying what's feasible, what your team is ready to make or build. What's viable, you're asking about the marketplace stuff. Well, we haven't explored that yet, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we make the the sort of trade work out with this endeavor? Um, but then also the desirable is like, well, all right, what else what else does the audience need? Like what are some you mentioned early in the intro some audience uh, natural um, circumstance that I guess affects both, you know, affects uh, multiple constituencies, both the team and the audience and the event, which is the um, like travel. Mm -hmm. The question of travel goes away. The Mm -hmm. um, potentially you have a more, uh, you can reach a more diverse audience. Um, Well, potentially. Yeah. I mean, cause there's also, cause there's a new uh, conflict in there in the sense of, well, do they have internet at home? Do they have, you know, computers at home. Um, so now maybe there's constituencies who could have come by public transit to a place, but now that it's a virtual, they have no access to it. So that that's like another thing to, to um, bear in mind with this. And at least I'm thinking about that. Um, it, but that's a researchable question though. So like, as you're going along, you're going to come up with questions that you won't have the answers to. You don't, ha- you can't come up with every answer in, in one collaborative session. Right. So if you're mm-hmm. figuring out you like, you know, starting to, you're, you're, you're sketching. You're, it's like, like, like the whole comic process, right? So you've got, you're getting thumbnails that, that give you some level of clarity, a lot yeah. more clarity than no clarity, right? Right, right, right. Pretty big step. Yeah. But there's more to do. Yeah. And, um, and then, and then there's the constituencies that we're trying to serve in terms of audience, which are different people. Like uh, in the case of CXC, it's, it's very explicit. Like we're here to celebrate or to help people or rather create value and meaning for people who are comics enthusiasts, people who just love reading comics and want to meet the creators and express their, you know, joy and and appreciation and and vice versa. Um, But then also young up and coming creators, right? Like there's an explicit mandate to like create, if they do these events called teach and talks or talk and teaches rather. And I did one last year where the whole idea is bake in two days of professional development before the show specifically for young developing talent, they have an award they give out every year called like the Emerging Talent Award. It's a cash prize they give to uh, somebody who's starting out in the industry, who's doing work that, that, that is sending a positive signal into the industry, right? And then there's the masters. How do we celebrate true masters of the medium, um, venerated figures like like Jaime Hernandez or uh, Mike Mignola, et cetera? Okay, so now there's these three different 
like they're, they're, they're both participant and audience at the same time. And then there's like the general audience of people who want, like just want to celebrate comics. And then I, you know, would, would also say like also families who want to celebrate comics as a reading experience. So how do we create programming on a virtual platform that serves all those people? Right. So, you know, in the case of a two cap, it'd be like, okay, well, let's, let's do some professional developments. Let's, let's, can we find like uh, a contract lawyer to do a, a 30 minute webinar for us, right? Uh, to help young artists figure out this, this aspect of the business. Um, but then, okay, for families, what do you do there, right? Um, contract lawyer is not going to be as interesting to the kid who's super into dog man. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of programming would be interesting for that kid, right? So. Uh, you get them. They could be tackled by Dogman. Honestly, that would <laughs> bring everyone together. Just like, hey, I'm, I'm <laughs> just helped you with some useful, you know, advice to to frame some legal problems. So you see you later. Just Dogman come trucking in in a big costume. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. That's that's like the ending of every Muppet Show skit, where like the newscaster has some violent end to his newscast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know, I loved that when I was a kid. Um, mm-hmm. So, but you're you're describing. Uh, so, what you end up creating is like this intersection of of you know needs, wants, and experiences at certain. You know, uh, then you can just start think about like, well, where would we want to meet that need? And that helps you describe a touch point of like, oh, this is an audio only thing. This is a, you know, heavily produced video thing and whatever. All of a sudden that, then you have these, the, the nature of the content starts to, to, to become more apparent because it's like, oh, this is solving problems. Every one of these things you're describing are ways to, to meet needs. Right. And there's probably, then you can think of, well, well, feasible, viable, desirable of like, well, you know, is this affordable? Can we do the right, you know, trade for this? Um, can we make it? Um, and, you know, is it going to be able to be uh, created in a way that, that people can, uh, can use it and, and, and benefit well and, and enjoy it? Um, and so, yeah, you probably come up with some, some hypotheses of content formats and where, where they could go. Um, and that, that would include... Uh, how to produce them and whatnot, um, yeah. But uh, and not to just jump to to jump to that as a conclusion, but I think that's part of the exercise of a of a collaborative design ex, um, exploration is to um, help you know specify, clarify, and choose choose a problem that you're trying to solve for who and all that, and and then in the end, it's just it. <laughs> Goodness, Ben, it's it's an assumption still, but it's a probably a stronger one than if you didn't do that process. <laughs> um, right. And so you can do primary research or secondary research to help, um, uh, like test these ideas. Mm-hmm. So where has where has this succeeded in the world, and does that relate well enough to you? And by looking at past examples created by other people, um, mm-hmm. that kind of research. Um, that's that's a faster typically cheaper form of research than saying like, well, we're going to mock this whole event up. Yeah. But you can think of like the, where the biggest questions you have after all this, uh, where they are. And maybe you're pretty sure it's feasible, but you, but you want to do a test. Well, do a, 
do a little one-off event. And overall, the cost of experimenting for what we're talking about, it's possible to do pretty inexpensively. Mm -hmm. That's good. Um, But then if we could like maybe close with a little thought about this whole idea of the commerce, because a lot of festivals and events, um, there's some form of commerce involved. Like at IO, which you've been to a couple times, um, we've done a couple episodes on IO, you pay to get in, right? It's, just, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not free to the public. And that's, that's the model they use to compensate their, their presenters and or, uh, well, pr- presumably some of the people who do the facilitation and organization, I don't know. But, um, but at comics... Festivals like A2CAF and CXC and et cetera, TCAF, um, a big piece of the commerce, it happens in a expo floor, uh, an artist alley, right? Um, in the case of A2CAF, the, all of the organizers are volunteers. There's no admission fee to the public, and the tables are free to the artists. So literally the only commerce happening is book sales on the floor, right? So mm-hmm. um, I did in my... In my Initial again, this was like last night research. I discovered um, Artist Alley online. Actually, uh, a friend here in town, uh, Jeremy Stoll, pointed me at this, um, which is it's uh, like what you'd imagine. Let me just go back to the homepage. It's a collection of it's like a gallery of links to uh, exhibitors who would have been at different festivals. So here we have Indiana Comic Con, and these are the people who would have been there, and all these tiles are direct links to their online stores. So they basically make like a little sales tile. This is the value that I bring. This is the stuff I make. And you click it, it takes you there. And a neat thing is, I'm going to refresh it. I know that you'll, you'll appreciate this too, Rob. It randomizes the tiles every time you refresh. So every time you visit... There's no preferential treatment to anybody. I mean, I remember years ago, you wrote a script for the Kids Read Comics website that did this for the um, Artist Alley list of exhibitors. Uh, and I was so grateful for it because it was like, it was so much like the ethos of the show it was like, okay, there's no superstars here. We're all in this together, right? Um, so anyway, that's one way of doing it. It's like, okay, well, you build like a, a gallery slash landing page of uh, calls to action for the different people that are going to be there. Yes, that is a piece of that transaction that happens at the tables, but the transaction at the table is not the full experience, right? That's the part that, like, I feel like the one-to-one transfer fails. Like, you, you get such a, um, a loss of fidelity, right, when you do that transfer. Um, because there's also the connection between the vendor and the potential buyer. There's like a conversation that can take place. There's context building that happens there. This is me saying what this thing is about, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, what's funny is I know I've seen other events over the years too, where, where, um, their virtual, uh, virtual comic events aren't, uh, brand new this year, right? Right. The, not just for the, the, the sort of learning and professional development type things or um, just, you know, celebrating and practicing and, and dabbling in, in new media stuff uh, like through learning experiences, but the actual like attempt to explore uh, what the problem you're describing, which is how do you have artists with a presence and also uh, some kind of some kind of commerce? Like so how do you have a marketplace equivalent 
of of you know visiting um, visiting the bazaar, the 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 this curated space and all that of of artists in a place at a time that you can be part of and also engage in trade. That's the, um, it's not going to be the same. <laughs> I yeah. think so. Part part of it is 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 under like what makes the what makes the thing that is our model in our head the thing, right? And it's the experience of being in the place with the people. Mm-hmm. You have the, and I don't think that that's replaceable Mm-mm. directly. No. Um, and I'm not saying like, oh, and I've, I've pulled out the negative critique card and now I win or whatever. No, don't stop there. <laughs> uh, it's just that it's, it's about accepting. And, and try to find, like, what is differently better? What is differently powerful that also works, right? Because think about what we could be doing right now. Like, we could have product placement in, in our video, things we've made. Um, <laughs> we be, which we're going to do we in be, about, like, two minutes. <laughs> sure. We, we, which we do in, like, a, the, the inter we do it interstitially where we, we have a um, separate section. So for, for that kind of thing. And we just happen to be the sponsors and how could that work? I think we, and we've seen lots of models for how that works for um, remotely consumed content. So, you know, television ads, product placement, um, you know, uh, maybe I have a contract with some guitar manufacturers, <laughs> no, which I don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rob says he points to the guitars behind him. This, yes, uh, <laughs> but this this kind of thing exists because, um, yeah, engaging in trade helps float all our boats. Um, it's a it's a useful thing. I don't think it's bad to bring in commerce. Bringing in commerce actually can improve the service. It's like you know, getting over the hurdle of, of like, Oh, just because you're marketing, that maybe isn't a positive, helpful thing. It's like, no, you're making people aware of the thing you believe in that you made. So yeah, you're, you're helping. And so how do you apply that spirit to the, the new constraints? Right. There's so, uh, every Saturday there's a television, there's one TV show that I actually tune into when it airs and partially because I can't get it any other way, but also because it's like an event that happens every week for me, every Saturday at 8, 8 PM on me TV, Sven plays. And it's like a monster movie with like the monster movie host doing little bits and gags in between. And one of his commercial break lead-ins is an ad for his store. And it's like, it's like a little, I wouldn't call it a skit, but it's like, it's this very comedy infused, um, 30 second bit saying buy some of my t-shirts buy some of my merchandise right and the part of the gag at the top is like Svengoolie sitting there smiling and then he hears a voiceover saying go to the Svengoolie store and he says I have a store and he he reports that like that's the one quote that's most given to him at conventions when he's signing autographs people come they, they uh-huh. do that I have a store thing to him so it's like <laughs> proof right there that like the, the mimetic part of your content could be baked into the actual advertising part of your content. It doesn't have to be crass. It could be something that's joyful and, and celebration. Like, and yeah, that, that's an important thing to think about and look at as, as I think about what kind of virtual events we might want to do for A2CAF, right? And, and how does the trade function, right? So how do people become like aware of it? And then how do they act upon that awareness? Mm-hmm. Um, is it and and ideally those things when you think about like like a 
like a, a principle for usability is is if if people are are lost you for a second there, Rob. Did I lose you all together? Did I lose the internet? It says I have internet. Whoop! Are you back? I'm back. I lost you. I, I lost you for about like ten seconds there. Uh, just okay. Briefly recap. Um, so when when you're using an interactive system, you're providing an inter- interactive system. One thing to think of is like it's great if people aren't lost and the people who are using the system from their perspective, their language, and and, and their needs are able to act on you know what they want to act on next, right? So if you think about that as in providing some kind of experience with the artist and some kind of ability to to engage in commerce. You can look at a lot of different landing pages on a lot of different e-commerce sites and consider, well, is a booth like a product page? Is a booth, you know, like think of like they're, they're models of, sol- of, of solving maybe similar enough problems. Mm. And you think about the, um, the act of, a, well, there's a lot of marketplaces in the world, like pretty darn famous ones where they provide lots of products from different companies. Like that's the, you know, the, the idea of marketplaces is re- which is a business model that lots of folks repeat. It's providing um, access to an audience and, um, and then access to providers of something that audience needs. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so there's a lot of models out there. And, and you can think about like, um, and, and a lot of lessons learned where you think one of the great Assets that I don't know, it's not really, uh, this is an off topic, but I just want to celebrate it. But the curation of events is the part of the voice of the event, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one of the things where a lot of marketplaces lose their voice. Mm. And this is where you can be a better marketplace. Maybe you're not at the same kind of experience as you were before, but you can be an amazing marketplace because you've done... that's a good point. So going back to A2CAF as a, as a, as a uh, food for thought, and then we can maybe cl- close out and go to our next, uh, our next break before we do two-minute practice, is A2CAF, because the tables are free, there's more demand than there's supply. And so something, some friction mechanism has to come in in order to make sure that we're you know, meeting that, that demand properly. And the, the, the metric we came up with is jury the show – with the success criteria of we want people at this show who are engaging and cheerful and celebratory. Um, if you are somebody whose presence is more edgy or antagonistic, and I'm not placing a value judgment on them, I'm saying there's probably places where that works, right? Where you are more uh, at home, this isn't the home for you. The voice we have is you come here. You can one of the a cartoonist. Um, Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. He was from Lansing. He came to A2CAF one year and he told me, he's like, this is the first time I've ever felt like I could go to a convention with my kid and just I could let them wander like 10 feet in front of me. And I, I'm not worried about them, you know, encountering something or someone who is potentially, you know, not not right for them. Um, I'm paraphrasing largely, but, you know, but you get the idea. It's like, like we take pains to select and jury and curate for a group of people who are really friendly and engaging and celebratory. Okay, there's the voice. Well, now you got a whole new challenge. It's a it's a virtual marketplace and a virtual uh, event. So, what's the success criteria that we can come up with? Who are the people that establish the kind of voice that we're going for with this thing? Um, 
and also the the physical space constraints because you only had there's only so many places for you know you can places you can put a table in in the venue right mm-hmm. and it translating that to digital this is where you know lots of contention exists where it's like yeah i i make digital content and i want to get paid so mm-hmm. i don't want to pretend that you know everything is infinite and free uh yeah i get that it's less constrained or differently constrained and you probably can uh, adopt a more open stance than than just the the constraints of a physical space but still um but there's trade should exist and it's not just like for instance you know setting up a thing where everyone can download everything for free it's like does that help (laughs) does that help do they do do people care like you you get a you show up and you grab a truckload of content do you really give a crap about it right well that's just it it's like i'm not i'm not convinced it's not obvious to me that that is automatically beneficial to an audience because the the curation then becomes hey look we know that your time is valuable and we know that you're being inundated with video left and right that there's no shortage of video on the internet right now Uh, you know how many streaming services are there right now um it, there, there are countless jokes about searching Netflix for something good. You know, if you spend more time doing that than actually watching things. Um, so, therefore, there is a value to be had on the part of the for the consumer for the participant by by way of actually jurying. So, yeah, it's 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 it artificial. It's putting an artificial constraint, or what would seem to be an artificial constraint, because we're not bound by size physical space or even like bandwidth resources necessarily, but we do have to think about the bandwidth of the consumer, um, the person who's going to actually use the thing. So here's, you can come up with some criteria to say like, well, if there's, if you think about someone traversing a space and like, and come up with a, this is where you're doing estimation to have some rough idea of reality. It's not precise. This is not landing a, 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 um, an instrument on another planet level of precision, but it's better than um, nothing. So, for instance, um, some think model the journey of the of the guest, of the user, of the person visiting the thing, and how many people do you think they interact with in in the course of a visit? Oh, that's a successful good. visit. That's good. I'm writing that down. How long do you think those interactions work well? If they are like, what's it, it's probably not sprint and high five it's probably you know what i mean like so you think about like you put yourself in a zone in a realistic zone and that provides realistic useful constraints and so then you can put them you you put your user at the center of this kind of service and filtering and so then you can say that well and then find a way and maybe you back into it or maybe you start there but like how that also fits the principles of your event and the voice of your event and you know what do you want to be remembered by and chosen? Like, why do you want people to come here and, and versus something else or what have you? Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so like you can through, through that kind of connect the dots um, scenario modeling, think about what, what numbers come from that. So in the end, they have about 38 minutes roughly when we average this out, right? They've, you know, visit um, maybe, 8.5 artists and um, spend, you know, two to seven minutes each, right? So there's a difference. There's a brief peruse 
and there's the longer peruse, and then there's the then there's the interaction where sorry Ben Hackey, where where Ben hops over his table and poses and and tells some fun story and whatever, right? So right. The equivalent of that, like how could you bring that digitally? So you use that physical world as a mental model to shape the the experience. And even if that shape, it doesn't become like some final mold that you're like, all right, we have to have 38 minutes of content for every get. No. <laughs> right. Gets you, it gets you in the, in the range. It gets you in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. It at least gets you, yeah, at least gets you some kind of measuring success criteria so that you can say that you're not just thinking. Because like on the one hand, I said earlier on, it's like, okay, when we do a virtual event, that means that the um, the scope and breadth of guest selection becomes much, much more wide, right? Because um, like when you're dealing with a physical event that takes place on this weekend, it's got to be, okay, well, what other events are happening at that time? Um, what, what are people, what are families doing? Are people going on vacations at this particular time? Is school in session at this particular time? And can we get them for all of the days of the festival? One day of the festival, just the evening? Oh, how are we going to arrange the flights for that? Like there's a lot of different frictions that narrow down to, okay. And this is a conversation we have with A2CAF every year. Like here's like the six people I think we have available to choose from for special guests this year, you know, based on all the other Mm. You know, it's like, well, we want Scotty Young to come this year. Oh, that our show is the same weekend as Heroes Con. He always does Heroes Con. He's not going to come day two, calf that kind of thing. Um, That's funny. So you can have like, so in theory, in theory, like, so if all the music festivals, for instance, I'm making something up. Like, if all mm-hmm. music festivals festivals became virtual, you could have the same headliner or same opening band in all yeah. the festivals potentially. Potentially. So like there's there's a widening that happens, but then also there needs to be a narrowing because we have to determine if you say everything's going to be here. Well, then how do we know we succeeded? We have to have some kind of narrowing down to figure out whether or not our thing was a success. Well, we did it. Everything was there. So you probably lost your voice in that crowd, right? Yeah. Basically, <clears throat> you, you went on the shopping spree. You, you, you got the cart in the Toys R Us and you just filled it full of whatever the heck you could reach. Yeah. And it's, it, does that say anything in the end when you leave? You're like, you're like, I have so many plastic cones. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> well, know, I mean, yeah, I, I wanted I think, transformers. How did our relationship with music change after the year 2001, 2002, right? Like when like mm-hmm. Napster and LimeWire and all those things came around and like everybody was just like pirating and downloading music like crazy. And then finally iTunes comes along you know, now it's like they made it super easy to to like just get a lot of music, uh, and then now we got and now we're in this era, uh, era of streaming where most people don't buy albums anymore. We just like turn it on, just let it happen, and it's like, uh, I remember a very different having a very different relationship with music. Now maybe it was because I was younger, possibly, probably, but also because like when I knew they might be giants album came out, it was like, I had to go to a place and I had to wait in line to get the thing. And like, it was like, it was in the special box, you know, like this, the CD case and whatever. Um, it felt different because of that, that friction. And, and I remember, I remember when they might be giants switched to like doing mostly digital stuff is the moment I stopped really seeking out their music because like it, there was the, also this the stupid pride of like I have it all I've got the whole collection I've got every every like b-side track every like out of the way single that they made I went actually I drove to Columbus from uh central Michigan once just to get a uh a b-side cd 
uh, I could have just asked them to mail it to me. I could have paid them over the phone, right? But I drove like whatever it was, like six hours, five hours to go get the CD. Uh, and then the moment they started releasing stuff digitally, it was like, I can't keep up with this anymore. I just don't have the bandwidth to do it. So it was like, suddenly it was like, okay, I guess I'll just stream them now. So. Yeah. So how do you have the, how do you have the special, the meaningfulness in that, which is probably some combination of uh, like appropriate scarcity, sort of, you know, thinking of like choosing and not choosing based on the voice of the event and based on the goals of the organization, based on the, the, all the, the constituencies, that's appropriate scarcity. Um, and uh, ceremony, like what kind of ceremony really um, honors and celebrates the, what kind of actions, uh, you know, feel good in this, in this context um, because right. Collecting, I don't know. Um, yeah. Like what, what is it? I mean, in some cases you can, you can weave in con- um, gameful style elements too. If, that's true if there's a if there's a meta aspect of participating in the event um, mm-hmm. to provide other signals of encouragement positive reinforcement and whatnot but that's you know it's a it's possible to go down a um a, like a it's that opens up a variety of paths because you're trying to shape people's behavior through mm-hmm. other means and it's um yeah I'm a game designer so yeah I'm into it but also it's I, I respect the the power of that and it's important to not like, yeah. overuse it yeah yeah i i remember years ago we talked about um when i started incorporating game design in my classrooms and started just doing like bonus points on the board like and mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't give the kids any signals as to what was getting them the bonus points it's just like i let them sort of start to infer what was making me issue those bonus and and what it was was is like if you said something that contributed to the room in a positive way if you demonstrated positive behavior that supports your fellow students and contributes to the conversation to keep it moving forward and is proposing interesting questions i would issue like 10 points 50 points 100 points and i would just tell and i wouldn't announce why i'd just be like oh jonah you get 50 points for that you know and the room quickly got out of control because the kids were, even though the points didn't get them anything, there was nothing they could cash them in for. It was just like a board with their name and it said points. And the kids were going nuts going like trying to figure it out, trying to figure out what the system was. Why is he giving points? Did that get me points? I'm like, okay, now we're done with this. Because <laughs> now we're... Someone, well, someone walks over to the corner, like picks up a globe. They're like, eh? <laughs> yeah, it was like that. It nope. was like okay. anything. <laughs> they just got to figure out what's the game of the explore. points. Yeah, so like it, it, it is powerful mojo. Like that was the moment I realized, like, okay, I'm 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 punching outside of my weight class with this one. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think you gave me a lot of really good food for thought on this, Rob. Um, and ways to like think about like I, I I'm in negotiations with uh, an organization right now to do some online teaching, and. I naturally assumed that, well, you know, I, I brought up the, the tension of like, well, if I'm making video content for you, I'm creating a resource and an asset that you are going to be able to um, avail yourself of many times over. So can we talk about how compensation works in this scenario? And they're like, oh, we're not going to keep the videos. We're just going to stream them. Then they're just gone. Like as if it was a real thing, like a, a physical place. I'm like, wow, you know, that's and like they're creating that scarcity. Now you need to sign up again. I'm like, that makes perfect sense to me. Sure. You know. So, yeah, lots of different very ways to interesting. Yeah, the yeah, and yeah. So yeah, ephemeral making an event ephemeral. It's that's a natural embracing that just because it's a principle because it's what you believe in. Do you have to do that? Could you? Could you simply record it because it's all? It's being it, recorded and broadcast through its digital form anyway. Right. Sure you could. 
You could. And, and, and one might think, why wouldn't you? Well, there's a lot of reasons to not. One is because like this is just for this particular group right now. It's not. It's not like a, I, 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 when that institution said like we're not going to keep it. I didn't think of anything nefarious. I thought of like okay, well, what you're doing there is you're limiting your storage costs, right? You don't have to like you're limiting your costs in terms of like asset management. You don't have to have somebody watching over the stuff, right? Um, all you got to do is just maintain the software that does the streaming. Okay, that, that keeps it simple for you. It keeps your operation more elegant, which means that you have more capacity to create, bring in more people to do rich content for you. So lots of, lots of trade-offs there, and it's not always the easiest or best answer just to say, like, well, archive everything. Exactly, because it's that, there's a tension between that and the reason that you're, um, there's, the reason your event is meaningful. It's... Uh, you have to like having some kind of filtering the ability to choose, right? So what happens when you don't filter anything? Um, well, how do you find anything? And now you've, you, you've created uh, potentially a fine problem that you're totally ready to solve is, 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 is that of a, of being a, a repository and a library of, of uh, search and retrieval and navigation and wayfinding, you know, like wayfinding and all that. Uh, and maybe you've committed to ongoing re um, recurring curation. Fantastic. Okay. Creating playlists, creating highlights of the months, and then themes and all that. Well, great. That's, uh, it, is that what your organization's built to do? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a fair question. Um, and that, I think that's, that, that's a good question to ask yourself. It's something I'm certainly going to be thinking about. Um, well, cool. I, I think this is a good start to the topic, Rob. I feel like we're not done, and I feel like I, I'm really hungry to talk to some more people about this too, seek out some guests who could potentially join us for looking at it from more nuanced and uh, use-case-specific angles. Um, but I'm grateful for you know you showing up and bringing your uh, um, facilitation mojo to this one this is good <laughs> uh this it, it's fun man i, lo I love this uh care about this topic doing doing things i love the 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 you know that somehow the remoteness of providing and consuming things is being embraced in sort of a new way i don't like the event that's happened and causing us to relook at this stuff but like it what an interesting situation we find ourselves in and uh that that we can find uh, find yeah new ways to present ourselves, our products, and uh, and our our learning experiences to encourage others to do this stuff too. It's fun. Cool. All right. Well, do you want to take a break and then do two minute practice? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So we're gonna come back in about a minute and a half, two minutes, and then we're gonna look at what we did for our two minute practice this week and look ahead to what we might do this next week for our two minute practices. So before we do that, we gotta thank some more people who make the show possible. And those people are us. We make the show possible. We make stuff and then we bring the stuff that we think about while we're making that stuff to this project called Lean Into Art. And the thing that I make that I hope you will check out is the new webcomic, Nightmare Pro Wrestling by my friend John David Guerra. And uh, the new story just started updating uh, with art by me. That's how I'm involved in it, is that John hired me to draw this story. What's Nightmare Pro Wrestling? It's exactly what you think it is. It is Dracula's werewolves and mummies as pro wrestlers. So it's like everything you loved about pro wrestling, 
mixed with everything you love about B horror films. So it's like it's a perfect marriage of my interests from from my childhood. I wish I could send this comic back to you know thirteen year old, twelve year old Jersey who is arguing vociferously with his friends in school that oh, Ravishing Rick Rude is way cooler than the Ultimate Warrior. Um, but here the latest episode, they're dropping five pages a week. Uh, John is, and each match is drawn by a different artist. So the first match is a tag team match between Grave and Lobo, a skeleton and a werewolf versus two of the Pumpkin Boys, uh, Haymaker and Powerhouse Pete. And the match has just started. You can find it at NightmareProWrestling.com. I'm really proud of this of this comic, and I hope people check it out. Uh, it celebrates everything that I love about drawing comics too. In that. You're capturing a world of motion with static images. How do you do that in a way where you feel the energy of the motion, but the pictures don't move? So just that statement. Like, so think about how much Jersey thought about this and how proud he is of this collaboration. You got to check it out. It's, it's, uh, it's super fun. It's delightful. It's so, uh, and it's, and it's beautiful work. It's masterful. And it's, you, it's, uh, you know, you're into visual communication you got to check it out, even if you aren't into monsters or, or wrestling. There's Thank you so for that. much. Mm-hmm. So, Rob, you make a variety of things at robstensiger.com slash store.html. <laughs> it sounds so good the way you say it. Yeah, yeah if you go to robstensinger.com slash store.html, I have a variety of, of, of products that, that uh, I'll highlight a couple for you. I do coaching experiences, that, like so themed kinds of things where we can help you navigate uh, choosing a career path, um, where to go next. We all have big events and things and trade-offs. And it's sometimes having someone you know, coach you through uh, your own exploration of a decision is a, it's a, it's a power-up for your cognition. Um, and there's, let's say you're starting to get into user experience with you, your product or organization. I help coach through that. Um, also, I have this, uh, the product lab that I've, that I've got going and we can navigate a process not dissimilar to some of what Jersey and I dabbled in and out of with some of the facilitation from this episode and, you know, really getting through you, anything that you're, you're, you're stuck with to, um, to create a meaningful product. And of course, as we've mentioned too, related to this topic, I have online workshops. So anything from like helping you draw user journey maps where you're really wearing um, that sort of collaborative facilitator hat. Uh, this, is, this is both available uh, at my uh, Gumroad store and Skillshare. So easy links for all kinds of workshops and those coaching sessions at robstenzinger.com slash store.html. Uh, I didn't realize that you had a coaching tab on there and yeah, product design lab. This is really cool. So like, this is like you schedule a session for an informal sort of like a uh, coaching session, like what kind of what we just did now, but also which we did in a uh, past lean tart episode where you coached me through a, a thing I was working on. Um, really neat idea. Like, how do you know that your product is, what were the three criteria, uh, desirable, feasible and viable? Yeah, that's it. Um, and so, and right. So uh, we all have sort of um, blocks. We have quirks. We have our strengths and things we're li- more familiar with and less familiar with. So if you go through, um, well, a creative process doesn't have to be chaotic. It can be, it can be disciplined and have some, have some stages to it to address different problems. And that's what this uh, product practice lab is all about. So it can Very help cool. you get unstuck. can help you with even just getting past the like what exactly is this product and who's it for and whatnot. So 
whether you're far along or just starting out. Very cool. All right. And the last thing we hope you will check out today is the Lean Into Art Discord. Yes, we have a Discord channel uh, server slash forum. And there are three public channels that you can participate in where you can request future topics of shows, comment on past episodes, post some of the latest two-minute practices you've been working on. Uh, and then there's three channels that are available only to people who support us on Patreon, uh, even a social channel where you just post about you know, the amazing bread you're baking right now while we're all in quote-unquote quarantine. Uh, invitation link will be in the show notes for this episode and every episode. So now it is time for the Lean Into Art two-minute practice. Oop. Hi, Rob. <laughs> hey, Jersey. <laughs> two-minute practice. Been practicing so, two minutes at a time. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, were you, did you have a chance to to dig into this latest one and um, got, have some have some thoughts on looking back at it? I did. Do you want to refresh us on what our, our uh, practice was this week? What practice you and I chose for ourselves? Because that's the other thing. Is yeah. We encourage everybody to pick their own practice. Abs yeah, absolutely. So feel free to play along or, or just use this as sort of this, um, hey, we're all doing this thing well and it's, it, it's fun. You've got your own way of doing it because you've, you've hacked the challenge and that's fantastic. Um, but what we ended up sort of co-creating last week this idea of, of, well, why not just use two-minute practice sessions as a way to develop one drawing? Just keep at that one drawing and as, as opposed to just doing, you know, like one-off whole drawings in two minutes. And uh, what does, where does that go? How does, it, how does it grow over the course of a week? So how did that go for you? I anticipated... A lot of I anticipated two negative consequences for doing this. Let me put it that way. What I would, <laughs> what I would measure as negative consequences. One is I thought, oh, this is going to ramp up the anxiety of finishing the drawing because I'm going to want to have something done at the end. So that was something that at the start of the week I sort of psyched myself out of. I'm like, dude, it doesn't matter if it's finished or not. This is practice. This is showing up and doing. This is not making a shippable thing. I know you like to make shippable things, Jersey. I know you like to make products through challenges. Not this time take that out. Stop it. You know, I, I, I lobotomize that part of my brain just, just for this week. Okay. Cause it's pretty great. That's a, that bias. I, I like I've, I've celebrated it so many times, but okay. So whew, just, just for this week. Okay. <laughs> so, and then the other negative consequence was, is that because of that, that proclivity that I have, I thought I'm going to try to find some kind of new affordances and new ways to like speed up my drawing process. And then I'll get to show up to the next lean art going like, I found this new efficiency in my artwork. Ha ha. I'm like, stop it. That's not what it's about. It's about just showing up and doing a thing. Relax. So one good thing came out of this is I'm, I'm not only am I practicing something, I'm practicing the act of practicing, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not great at it. I'm not great at it. Uh, so what I did, so I, I don't have a finished thing to show for my time today, um, but I do have almost a drawing. So, um, oh. which I posted in the Lena Tart Discord, um, in the public channel, in the um, Challenges Quest channel, so people can go see like close ups. I actually I grabbed a photo of like the very first two minutes, and then like I did I did uh, five or so sessions, five sessions. Which got me to this, which is I've got like the oh, characters wow. penciled, and I just started inking. Um, and by reminding myself to show up for this thing as practice, it felt more like a break than like a task, if that makes sense. It felt like something I could do just for pleasure, 
in between bigger shippable tasks in the day. So um, I think it helps that it was something that I enjoy doing already. And it's something I feel like I don't have enough time to do right now is drawing for myself. I, actually, I certainly don't have time enough to draw for myself right now. I'm, I'm, whatever drawing I'm doing has to be for you know money. Um, so it felt good for that reason. And plus, it's just, I don't know, it just it felt because I, I psyched myself out or up or down, whatever you want to call it, uh, I was able to, I, I was able to, sh- I was able to show up and just attend to the thing and then just set it aside when I was done. So I felt really good about this week's practice. I, let's see. I wonder if I can share just a specific window. Yeah, I can. All right. I will, I'll, I'll show what I, what I did. Um, is that showing up? In the Not video? yet. Not yet. Okay. I've got um, a black screen. Black screen, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, maybe this isn't going to work. So I, I will. I'll share this in the Lean Into Art Discord. Okay. And uh, what I did was, in a series of I think five different practice sessions. Kind of funny. I did not complete seven, but I did. Uh, so I positioned uh, a couple of figures. I basically created a scene. And, and uh, I have Tanuki Mario running from two Invid troopers, right? And uh, that's, uh, um, you know, interesting little characters I had. So I sort of, I picked that and set that up and took a picture of it in the first two minute practice. And then I, I went digital. So I, and then I put that image, I did a little bit of skewing to make the, um, the pose a little more extreme and uh, started some sketching in the next two minute practice right? So I was working in Clip Studio Paint. And uh, then the next two minutes, so I, I actually saved the result of my work in progress each stage, right? Okay. And then just, I got, let's see, I got closer to, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's because it's digital, I can't just hold this thing at the camera. I'll, again, I I'll post it in the Yeah, in the I, 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 didn't, I didn't um, specify for the people who are listening in audio. Um, I, I worked on a little piece of watercolor paper. So it's like, mm. like half of an eight and a half by 11. And I've got my blue line pencils nearly done. And I started inking the foreground elements. So it's like my animal character sitting around a campfire. And then I got it framed up with some dark trees in the foreground, which are inked, but the characters are not finished. Um, whereas you worked digitally. Okay. Yeah, I did. And, uh, it was a choice up front and it just, you know, I, I continue, so I, I iterated on, you know, this one drawing for two minutes and, and I, I debated as far as how complex I wanted to make it. And I knew that by having essentially three characters and their spatial relations and stuff, it's not going to be that fast for me to do, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I, I like where it's going in this cartoony version of like amplified cartoony because all those each each of the I mean I guess the the Invid troopers are, are characters from uh, Robotech, uh, Robotech, and the I new think Mospedia or something like Maspiata. that. Maspiata, yeah, <laughs> doesn't rhyme with Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if I got it right. I really don't. <laughs> I, I've always said it Maspiata. I'm probably wrong. But, it sounds um, better than what, how I say it. So anyway, it's um. Yeah, so you got these really monstery looking robots chasing um, uh, the you know Mario in a raccoon suit. So there you go. It um, I don't know, it speaks to a lot of my interests. So <laughs> anyway, and, and I've, I enjoyed that practice. I I had fun. I did not finish, but like the process of of just this this method of problem solving for doing an illustration that I care about, I I enjoyed. 
So oh great okay well, cool we both have a good takeaway this week yeah yeah uh, that makes me happy um yeah yeah there was something about like just checking in with a thing and like really on a regular basis acquainting oneself with the idea of whittling right um we've talked about whittling many times on this show uh but sometimes the whittling has to happen uh at irregular intervals right um this is something i think about when it comes to like my practice of you know self-care which i do through running and um they say like try to do it at the same time every day to like just to like reinforce that habit right and when it comes to working a side hustle sometimes you can't find that block of time where it's like okay this 30 minutes this hour every day I'm going to have for this thing. But putting that two minutes someplace every day seems like that's a much more, it's a less expensive way to whittle at a thing. Um, and doing a single drawing is a different thing altogether. Like I couldn't do two minutes of like outlining a book, right? That was, there's a different, a different cost entirely with that. Um, so yeah, this, this, this thing felt like it was very well met to what the intention was i yeah this this was actually really compatible i mm-hmm. i agree so that's a an interesting puzzle because it would be like how many kinds of things can we practice in two minutes and have it be um i don't know it's like like satisfying in some way because you want to have like this signal of encouragement of it doesn't have to maybe it doesn't have to be a product but it's it's it, the the thing you Hopefully it's not just um, doing something that just feels bad for two minutes. Like why, <laughs> why, why make that a practice? Uh, right. So. Right. In one way where it could feel bad, where it's like if you set just an unreasonable goal, like, like picking or uh, you said outlining a book mm-hmm. two minutes at a time. Hmm. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just give you an idea for this week's practice? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, right. Uh, you said it wouldn't be fun. Is there a way that it could be, though? Mm, good question. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, part of my brain instantly started doing math. Well, that's 14 minutes in a week that you'd have for this thing. So what, what can you accomplish in 14 minutes if you're sitting down to outline, right? It's like, okay. Um, I have yeah. an idea. Okay, let's hear it. So what? what if it were... Um, not necessarily outlining a book. So maybe this is jumping too far away from that premise because maybe, maybe it's just, that is really, that is really difficult. But so what if you have, um, if you take two objects and have them have a conversation and see where that goes, does that, does it have a natural arc to it? Sort of, um, so you could have, um, you could just sock puppet your hands. You could take two different figures. You can take, you know, a photo and a sticky note or, and have a conversation between these two things. What does that conversation look like? I mean, what form does it take? I guess you need to record it. I think you need to do something where, where it's captured. Uh, So you could, you could capture it as audio or you could capture it as text. Uh, Or do or doodle image, whatever you want. Well, I was just thinking, so um, Ruth McNally Barsha, who, is a kids book author and illustrator mm-hmm. that I adore. You've met her. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, I mean, she, she really is like, I think she's a treasure of a human being. And um, she's been doing these isolation journals. Uh, mm-hmm. And so like, I immediately saw, I'll pull one up on the screen. I immediately saw this in my head when you were describing like what that conversation would look like is 
quick little doodles with like maybe not even the text in word balloons, just like drawn all around the thing, right? Um, it could look something like that. Um, so, but That's yeah, cool. I, I, like I, I like the idea of like recording it in some kind of like efficient way, whether you're just doing it on like sticky notes or if you're doing it in your sketchbook um, or you're recording it as like an audio play for two minutes, um, reading into a dictation software, typing it in Microsoft Word, whatever you use, Google Docs, um, but capture it in some way. So capture a conversation. And so you're, we're, we're doing another whittling one, right? So mm-hmm. this is like a, a conversation two minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Done. We'll see. <laughs> exactly. A little bit of calculation, back of mind, and I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Come back next week. Find out how he did. And uh, you can participate by... Uh, playing along with us with the challenge that, or the practice that we've chosen, come up with your own. Um, that That's awesome too. And then you can share your results in the lean into our discord. So that sounds, that sounds great. And uh, I'll be sure to share my practice from the past week. Great. There. Thanks Jersey. Yeah, thanks Rob. Uh, all right. I think we did a, a podcast. Mm-hmm. So. I think we did. Joseph is in the chat and said that uh, he's digging it so far. And I think he uh, was po- posting a response to Nightmare Pro Wrestling. And thank you for that, Joseph. Um, it's nice to know that people are enjoying the comic. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's any like wrap up thoughts on this, except that like I think we've, we've sort of cracked the shell on this, this, this very meaty topic of um, how to translate different events to different platforms. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited about what's going to be happening in the months to come. Again, not I'm not happy about why we're doing this, but I'm I'm excited about like the way we um, engage with this problem and what kind of new new ways of looking at teaching, advocacy, presentation, sharing of information comes out of all this. So, yeah, that's good. I, and I, I hope we we revisit this one um, in the coming weeks. Me too. See where the see where this conversation goes, and check in based on anything that we've done, uh, experiment wise. Uh, yeah. I'm curious about your your upcoming event with the uh, kids, um, kids Comic kids Con. Right? Oh, I have one more to share that will be good for for thought. If people are really excited Ooh. about this topic, and it actually happens today, um, let me see if I can find it. What happened to it? Oh goodness gracious, golly gee! Um, ah, here we go. I have it on. I have it on Facebook. Um, if anybody is interested in participating in a, um, a sort of a virtual ex, uh, opening, uh, what do, what do they call that? Um, you know, when like they have an exhibition of art, they have a gallery reception. Ah, so it's it's mm-hmm. a virtual gallery reception for this uh, new exhibition at the Billy Ireland Cartoon Library and Museum. Uh, John Cash's uh, exhibition called "Making Faces," which was co-curated or not co-curated, it was like set up by uh, my wife Anne at the Billy Ireland Cartoon Library and Museum. They're going to be doing a sort of webinar, sort of virtual reception tonight at six p.m. Um, you can find the link on the Billy Ireland's Facebook page. Just look for a cartoon library on Facebook. Uh, and I think they'll have a link also on the Billy Ireland's website, cartoons.osu.edu. So you'll be able to see oh, for yourself what, what do these events a, look like. Yeah, and it's reaching a wider audience, right? So mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's really cool. Looking forward to that. Um, all right. Well, I'll be there. So you can hang out with me in the chat. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> 
but yeah, okay. Well, lots more to talk about. Yes, as you said, and we'll check in on these things throughout. Um, so we record the show Thursdays at noon uh, Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Central. We stream it live on twitch.tv slash Alina Duarte and then collect that as a podcast at alinatuart.com and patreon.com slash We'll be back next time with another thoughtful discussion. Until then, I have been Jersey Drozd of alinatuart.com and Jersey Drozd on Instagram. Well, thank you, Jersey. I've been Rob Stenzinger of leanintoart.com and Rob Stenzinger, places like Instagram. Okay, bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at leanintoart.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the user leanintoart, and you can reach us via email at leanintoart at gmail.com. And remember, leaners aren't wieners. Thanks for listening.